Well, good morning. Happy Thanksgiving week. And, of course, everybody knows by now. I'm sure I'll say it one more time because I want to hear it again. After we break loose from here, uh, everybody go home, get your stuff, your food, all the goodies. Um, and let's go to the Pioneer Park Community Building. And we will try to have the prayer at 1 o'clock, if not sooner. Well, for those that can't wait, we'll have little little tidbits, I'm sure, being offered around. Just follow me. You'll get there. And this will be the only service of the week, by the way, for Thanksgiving. I understand they got lots of days off at school for Thanksgiving. So uh, enjoy. Wonderful time of the year. And uh, I'm really, really pumped about the things that I see God doing at this time of the year. I wish I could tell you all the things he's doing, but I really can't. I'd have to kill you. Now, that's an option. Let me weigh that one for a minute. No, I won't do it. Uh, what I wanted to do, though, today is finish a, a series here that I started a few weeks ago about completing the prophecy of Isaiah 54. So if you would, turn with me to Isaiah 54. Now, God's work in this church, over the history of this church, is actually rooted in Isaiah 54 and in Psalms 91. You see the Psalms 91 stuff all over these walls. The Lord is my refuge. He is, I trusted him. That's the essence of Psalms 91. Well, that, Psalm 91, and Isaiah 54 were given to me when God renamed this church, City of Refuge. It's like uh, we live through portions of Isaiah 54, and the reward for us is Psalm 91. We learn to trust God. All through Isaiah 54, it talks about these experiences of life that you go through that are very, very hard. And, uh, and what it develops in you is an ability to be a witness for him in the dark times that are ahead. And that was one of the words that the Lord gave me back in 1992 when he gave me this scripture and verses out of this scripture for this church. I saw that we had lived through much of this chapter. I'm not going to go through all those again, but we have lived through a lot of these things. And what it does for you is gives you the ability to, to, to experience the things that Christ lived through and redeems so that you can be his witness or you can testify for him. Now, one thing that, uh, that develops out of that witnessing thing is that and we've talked about this in the last several weeks. There is the Holy Spirit work in this church. I'm trying to, uh, the last several weeks, sort of just explain this church. What is this church, City of Refuge? What are we? Well, we're a church that is spirit-filled. We worship God in spirit and in truth. That's our essence. Uh, and you'll see more of that as we go through. We hopefully are a church that trusts God. And we are also a church that will fill up the fullness of Christ. When you do that, you will suffer with Christ. That's, that's the, one of the big uh, lessons, I guess, of the New Testament, that if you suffer with Christ, happy are you. So everybody's rejoicing, right? Every time you suffer, you oh boy, more. Now you're happy when you see why. There's an end to it. There's a reward from it. There's always a reward. God rewards those that diligently seek him. 
And what happens to you is the he is actually using your life as a testimony to the world. See, the spirit of Christ that dwells in us reveals Christ to the world. What did he do when he was on this earth? Well, he did a lot. He did a lot of miracles, and we always want to look at those, and that's good. But he also suffered, did he not? He suffered death even, and more than that. You'll see the movie, The Passion of the Cross. My Lord, the stuff that they did to him before he even got to the cross was unbelievable. So if you suffer with him, you will also reign with him. There's one of your rewards. So there seems to be a, this is a, a prophetic church. It seems like that we live out what is called in, in the book of Revelation, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So we literally live out prophetic things in our lives that Jesus will fulfill in his life. Either the first time he came or get this. The second time he comes. He ain't done coming yet. You know what I mean? So there's more to be done in the life of Christ we've not yet seen. And many of us on this earth will live out experiences that's going to look like what he's going to come and do. It's crazy. Your life is sort of a, a projection screen of what, of, of events to come. That's this church. Now, <clears throat> I call it the spirit of prophecy or the spirit of Christ. It works in us. Now let's read Isaiah 54. Uh, this is a section that was given to me personally when I got the name of this church. I, I lived through this. So this particular part, I know it. I mean, I really am a witness to this section of Isaiah 54. And there's other sections that I have as well, and many of you are. As you walk through the, the history of this church, many of you live through that stuff. I got this when Donald Trump ran for office. All right? So what I'm about to tell you, and I've told you here the last couple of times, is my personal experience, when I apply it to him, I have no doubt that God's going to do this for him because I saw it now. I saw how God did it for me. I got this section of scripture and Psalms 2, 10 days before the election. And as I've testified before, I did not want Donald Trump as president. I'll go on the record. I thought he was a moron. A loudmouth moron. Shoot, he could be in this church. A joke. Don't take everything so personal. Maybe he could. I don't know. But anyway, this, when I got, when I got the, this scripture way back in 92, that began part of the prophetic ministry that God has done through this church he has given me every president six in a row until Trump and then ten days before the election he gives me that Trump's going to win he gives me Psalms 2 the Lord said to my anointed and I knew right then that that Trump's going to win and he gave me the scripture we're going to read and I thought at that time okay Psalms 2 is what God is saying about the current moment Trump will win Isaiah 54 is what's going to happen after he wins. And as we read it, I think you'll see that that is exactly what is going on. Just apply it to it. Isaiah 54, verse 15. It says, Indeed, they shall surely assemble in the House of Representatives with Schiff, or whatever they call that dude, Nancy Pelosi. I could really curse and stuff with that name, but I won't. 
because it's a good day. Now, they will surely assemble the media, the Congress, the deep state, everybody who has an opinion are going to speak their opinion. They're doing it right now on TV. Everybody has to say what's in their heart. They all have to. It makes us mad, but I'm telling you, they have got to say it because Jesus judges us by, uh, by the words out of our mouth. With your words, you will be justified. With your words, you will be condemned. He's got ought against a big part of this country. He wants to take care of it. So they're going to assemble and they're going to run their mouth. You'll see that here in a minute. But not because of God. They're not, they're not doing this in the name of Jesus. Well, they may use his name, but it's like blasphemy. Then he says this, whoever assembles against you shall fall for your sake. You just wait. Watch them crash and burn. And probably lose the next election because of this stupidity. 16. Behold, I've created the blacksmith who blows the coals in the fire, who brings forth an instrument for his work. And I have created the spoiler to destroy. But no weapon formed against you, Trump, will prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, they're doing it now, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. All right. So we've covered a lot of that in previous teachings. You can go back and listen to those if you'd like. Today, I want to focus on the reward. It's Thanksgiving. The reward section. Now, some of it is in verse 15. They're going to fall for your sake. They rise against you in judgment, and they're going to fall. And a big part of it is in verse 17. No weapon formed will prosper. Every time that rises, you're going to condemn it. All right. And then look at the end of verse 17 or in the middle. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. The heritage. All those rewards is what we inherit as servants of the Lord. Okay. It is our portion. It is our right. This is what God's going to do. Now, following this declaration and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. That says the Lord is actually, it looks kind of boring. In the New King James. In some other versions, it's a little bit more exciting because it's a little bit more accurate as to what it is. It's what we call an epiphanem. Now, you've heard of the word epiphany. This is like an epiphanem. An epiphanem is a, uh, uh, an expl- exclamation, like an explanation mark, or a striking reflection which sums up a passage that we just read. What it literally does is confirms with certainty that this will be fulfilled. So when he says, thus says the Lord, you can like scream it. It brings a better picture and feeling as to what is really being done. It's not, oh, and thus says the Lord. No, it's like jumping up and down and screaming. God's going to do it. Count on it. Add it to your faith list. This will happen because he said it would. This is the declaration of the Lord. So it's going to happen. Well, there is an interesting statement here. Who gets this reward? Let's look at it again. Servants of the Lord. Now, if you noticed, that is a plural word, servants of the Lord. This is to contrast what Isaiah is saying here with what he has previously spoken about earlier in his, in his prophecies. Because one of the recurring themes of Isaiah is what we call the servant of the Lord. 
one servant. All right? Here, for the first time, we see him pick it up a notch and talk about more than one. All right? Let's go see what the servant of the Lord is. Go back to chapter 42, if you would. Same book, Isaiah 42. If you'll notice the caption above it, the servant of the Lord. One. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my elect in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him, capital him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He will not cry out nor raise his voice nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. Look at verse 3. A bruised reed he will not break. And smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. He will not fail nor be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands shall wait for his law. Now, obviously, what that is talking about is Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, you don't have to go there, but in Matthew 12, when Jesus was doing his thing, they quoted this scripture so that that scripture, this scripture would be fulfilled. Matthew says he did these things so this scripture would be fulfilled. So the servant of the Lord is being prophesied here by Isaiah as the ministry of Jesus Christ. All right. One more time at this. Look at over in chapter 53, same book. Isaiah 53. Of course, this is the chapter. Just read the whole chapter when you're, when you're by yourself. It is an amazing description of what happened to Jesus at the, at the end. The things he went through, the sufferings that he went through for you. They're awesome. He used to know a, a Jewish guy. He came to church here for a while. He got saved. And uh, this guy was a while now. Uh, but he he uh, he said that the, this is one chapter that you'll never heard read in a Jewish synagogue. Because it just convicts them. I mean, Jesus obviously did every one of these things. And so they have a hard time with it, you know, so they just don't read it. It's kind of like churches, you know. Uh, if you don't believe a certain section of the Bible, well, you just never read that section, right? It's, well, we don't believe that part. Far out, you know. So, but look at what happens to him. It's, it's, this whole chapter is about the servant of the Lord, Jesus. And look at the verse 10. Now, we said earlier in chapter 42 that he will not break a bruised reed. Yet, look what happens to him in verse 10. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. Isn't that interesting? He wouldn't do it, but God did it to him. Why? We'll see. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he will divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and he made intercession for the transgressors. That's the work of Jesus. I love that last song we just sang. This is what he did. He was bruised for you. Now this description here of what happened to Jesus, God, he wouldn't bruise others, 
or break those who were bruised, but God would bruise him. Why? And this is the essence of the formula that God has put in the Bible. One suffers for the reward of another. Death works in us, but life in you. We've talked about this the last few weeks. This is what Jesus did. He suffered. We are rewarded. That's the spirit of Christ. You are called to live that way if you would live that way. I'll just be honest with you. Not many people will. I mean, really. Who would want to? Unless you loved him that much. See, it really takes that. It really does. I don't know another way to explain it to you. Greater love has no man than this. You know, how much love really do you have for the Lord? I'm not trying to condemn anybody or criticize anybody, but I am challenging everybody. Would you do this for him? He did this for you. Paul says that I am being poured out as an offering on the sacrifice of your faith. My life is being poured out. And he talked about all the things that he suffered, shipwrecked, beaten, stoned, thrown out of cities, lost in the sea. For the behalf of you, that he could write most of the New Testament. So my sufferings, my death experiences, the things that I go through should bring forth a testimony out of my spirit. It's life for you. Now, many of us go through that. We really do. I feel like I have. Again, I'm not bragging. If I had known it going beforehand, I would have done it. But that's how God works. You know, he doesn't tell you everything. He tells you enough things and asks you questions that just get inside your heart. Would you do anything for me? Really? Would you do anything for me? You guys have heard all that stuff. You know, uh, I remember I went to a seminar one time in, in Oklahoma City, and it's all pastors and preachers and stuff. And they said, how many of you feel like you've just been used? Everybody raises their hand. Well, I feel like I've been used. And he says, didn't you tell God, use me? So what's the complaint? And we do that all the time. We sing songs. You all read some of the lyrics of the songs we sing. How do you like that song? Break my heart with what breaks yours. You like that song? Isn't it pretty? And you just lift your hands. Oh, God. Break my heart. Like, you know, give me a kiss. No, we're talking about breaking your heart. Right? But that's how he does it. And that's good. Because you wouldn't go there otherwise. And your reward is there. So he wants you to have your reward. Jesus did it. But if you'll notice in verse 10 here in chapter 53, that he shall see his seed. What he did... Produced seed. And we see that seed, people, in chapter 54. The servants of the Lord. One seed produces many seeds. One servant produces many servants. And the reward that he gets in chapter 53, we all get in chapter 54. Including all those tongues that rise against you in judgment. You will condemn them. Now, folks, you ought to read the rest of the Bible. What's coming 
is that kind of stuff. Matthew 10 tells you real clearly. You're having to, you're going to have to testify for him. There's going to be a bunch of stuff that goes on that you won't like. But the reward is in chapter 54 of Isaiah. You will get a reward out of it. You just got to toughen up and go through it. Your sufferings that you have now are mere preparation for what's coming. So, you know, get a good attitude. Let it happen. Dig deeper in God and you will be okay. I'm still up here preaching. I'm in my God. What a miracle. Service of the Lord. Well, who are these guys? Who are these servants of the Lord? His seed. Look at Isaiah 51. I think this guy had a handle on it. Verse, let's see, seven. Listen to me, you who know righteousness. You people, and here it is, who, in whose heart is my law. Those are the servants of the Lord. In whose heart is his law. And look at the next part of this. Do not fear the reproach of men, nor be afraid of their insults. And I can just tie that directly to Isaiah 54. Every time that rises against you in judgment. They'll say a lot of things against you. Don't be afraid of that. They'll cause you to be embarrassed, reproach. Here's what I'll say about that. This church went through that. When we, when we took this church over, it was a disaster. It was called the meeting place. It became known as the mating place. Gee, I wonder why. By the leadership of the church who are gone now. All of them. It was so embarrassing that every musician, every elder and deacon that we had were wound up around that stuff. It was a reproach. It was an insult. It was embarrassing to even be known to be a part of this church. Am I right, Connie? Yep. Kim. And all, Betty, all you old looking young people. <laughs> and some of you were kids and you're now old people. This was 30 years ago. 30 years ago. So, this is my point. God, I had a lot of people come and say, well, you got to change the name of the church. Well, they know where we are. It's that church. Outside the city limits in those days. And God gave me the scripture in Hebrews. Go outside the camp to where Jesus is and bear his reproach. Don't be afraid of the reproach. We weren't. I mean, we didn't like it. But we overcame it. And when we overcame it, the reward comes. Now I'm going to give you a new name. Here's Isaiah 54. Here's Psalms 91. Call yourself by a new name. Because I will never leave you. It's pretty cool. I think that might be the test of who are the servants of the Lord. Are you willing 
to walk with Jesus. Now get this, to walk with Jesus as he walks with people who are sinners. Do you think Jesus wants to save all those people who have AIDS? Who are living in these marriages, LGBTQ, LMNOPs? You think he wants to love on them? How about people who are in prison? Some of our alumni. How about anybody who is a sinner? You know, at the last day, when it's time for it, he's going to offer anybody who will to come and, and, and come to the dinner, the marriage supper of the Lamb. There's going to be a bunch of them that won't do it, that are in churches right now. So he has got to fill up the room. He goes out to the highways of the streets and compels those worthy and unworthy to come in. And they're going to look like, well, like tattoos. Oh, my God. Not that. Y'all make sure you wear long sleeve shirts all the time. He gets past that stuff and he looks at a heart. Would you? Would you hug someone with AIDS? Don't be afraid of the reproach. Would you be accused of being an idiot for Jesus? Well, we do that all the time. The way we worship, many find that offensive. I wonder how God feels about it. Would you do it? Would you speak in tongues if you were asked to? Well, they don't believe in that. Don't be afraid of it. And if you're afraid of it, he says, if you're ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you. That's just the way it's going to be. So there's going to be a great division coming up. It's happening as we speak, I guess. The great divide. But those who love him, their law is in his heart. Verse 16, the same chapter. And those who are like that, boy, look what he does with them. Verse 16 of chapter 51. God speaking, I have put my words in your mouth. So you purchase something when you go through this suffering with him. He puts his words in your life. He puts them in your heart. And out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. I will put my words in your mouth. I have covered you with the shadow of my hand. This is amazing scripture. Who are those people that he covers? Moses saw it. When everybody failed and God wanted, he wanted to renew the covenant, he said, Show me your glory. God says, there's a place by me. There's a place next to me. You can come and stand there. I'll cover you with my hand. And then I'll make my glory pass before you. Psalms 91 talks about it. There's a secret place of the Most High. The Lord shadows over me. Those who trusted him are right there. We've been through these things. Keep reading. That I may plant the heavens or establish them, lay foundations of the earth, and say to Zion or to this church, you are my people. You're the servants of the Lord. There's some things that we have to deal with. 
Look over in uh, 2 Kings chapter 9. If you're going to walk with him, you're going to have to do some stuff. Here's one of them. This one's interesting. Chapter 9, verse 1. Elijah the prophet called one of the, called the sons of, of the, one of the sons of the prophets and said to him, get yourself ready, take this flask of oil in your hand and go to Raboth Gilead. Now when you arrive at that place, look there for Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshi, and go in and make him rise up among his associates and take to him in, in an inner room, take him into an inner room. Then take the flask of oil, <clears throat> Pour it on his head and say, thus says the Lord, I have appointed, I have anointed you king over Israel. Then open the door and run and do not delay. Now, I want you to stop right there. How do you like to be that guy? (laughs) So what if I don't run? What's going to happen to me? (laughs) There's something you're not telling me here. (laughs) A few things I forgot to tell you when I hired you. There's another reference to Trump in the prophets today. You know who it is? Jehu. This is really interesting. Isn't that interesting? We're going to bring that guy right back up again. Turn with me, if you would. We're going to come back to this chapter. So I'm sorry if you don't have a real book for a Bible, either if you have those stupid iPhones, you'll have to go back and forth. Oh, tough, tough. Look at, uh, 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings 19. Now, the interesting thing about chapter 19 of 1 Kings is this. It follows chapter 18. Wow. Next week. What happened in chapter 18, Elisha meets up with the prophets of Baal and Ashtaroth and calls fire down. They tried all day to get it. It wouldn't happen. Elisha does an offering. Bam! Here comes the fire, consumes all the offering, and he gets out and kills every one of those prophets of Baal and Ashtaroth. 400 prophets of Baal, 450 prophets of Ashtaroth. Now, the Asherah is the female version of Baal, okay? It's just male and female. Really hacked off somebody. Jezebel, yeah. Jezebel. So she chases, I mean, she tells Elijah, Elijah, you're a dead man. You know what he did? He believed her. And ran like a dog into the mountains. And told God, I'm the only one left. The next time we hear about Elijah, he's on the mountain of transfiguration telling Jesus, don't do what I did. Don't tell God you're the only one left. And Moses is there as well. He says, don't do what I did. Don't strike the rock, even though they deserve it. So anyway, Elijah, Elijah's here in chapter 1, verse 19. Chapter 1, 1 Kings 19. And look what God says to him. Verse 16. You shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel, 
Oh, my God. You shall know it as prophet in your place. These names. Verse 17. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazai, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. So there's a war against Baal. And he wants to wipe this out. God does. Go back to Second Kings chapter 9. And here we have the anointing of Jehu that was told to Elijah. It's happening now. Maybe you can understand why he told that guy, pour the oil and run. I wonder if there's some warfare over this issue. I bet there's warfare. I bet there's always warfare over anything that God calls you to do. Because when you go for God, you're going against his enemy. And don't think his enemy ain't good. That sucker's real good. Smarter than us. He plans for years to take you down. He started showing up my doorstep when I was a boy. Tried to take me out before I even got to be an adult. I am fortunate that I'm still not in jail. Because of Mentone. I'm the only person that's ever been busted in Mentone up until then. I don't know. That's probably a bunch since maybe, don't it? Right, you guys? All you oil field suckers have been out there? I bet some of them are smoking dope. So anyway, chapter, uh, verse 3, they take the flask of oil, you get out of there. Verse 4. So the young man, the servant of the prophet, went to Ramoth Gilead. And when he arrived, there were the captains of the army sitting. And he said, I have a message for you, commander. Jehu said, for which one of us? And he said, for you, commander. Then he arose and went into the house. And he poured the oil on his head and said to him, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I have anointed you king over the people of the Lord over Israel. Look at verse 7. You shall strike down the house of Ahab your master, that is Jezebel's husband, that, now look at this next part. That I may avenge the blood of my servants, the prophets, and the blood of all the servants of the Lord. That would be us. The servants of the Lord. At the hand of Jezebel. So he did. And this guy, I mean, what is that book? Paradigm or something uh, that was written? Is it Paradigm. It talks about this. It's amazing. You ought to read that book. Holy moly. It's crazy right on the top of this thing. So Jehu did. He set it up. I mean, he destroyed them all. Ahab, all the prophets of Baal. And if you look over in uh, verse 30, look at the caption above it. Jezebel's violent death. So he took down Jezebel. You know, I went... Through my notes, I just kind of did a look at the summary of the year and just notice the things that the subject matters that God has had me preach on this year. It's been very, very interesting. A lot of it had to do with, the, with fire and the baptism of fire. Zeal. The zeal for the house of the Lord. Who's, who's your zeal for? It had to do with Jezebel. I said in July, I see Jezebel everywhere. I just see Jezebel everywhere. And on and on it went. 
and then on into the sufferings of, of, of the church for Jesus' sake so that you can be a witness for him. Folks, this, uh, this stuff has had purpose. I didn't know it. I never predict this stuff. It just seems to come. And you sort of live it. And here we are. If you want to be a servant of the Lord, don't kid yourself. You're going to run into the, the God that is, that, that is against Jesus, and it is Baal. And one of his chief proponents and one of the best ones out there, Jezebel. You'll know them by their fruits. Now, they can come speaking truth and even the gospel, and they often do. But you will know them by their fruits. Let me give you a fruit of Jezebel. I've got T-shirts. You will always find families that get divided. It destroys families. Very interesting. And we took the ladies up to Rio Dosa. We, you know, we all got honest, did we not, ladies? In you all is the promise of one or two. You can either be, like Esther, a queen, a queen of the Lord, a bride of Christ. Or you can be Jezebel. Because in you all, an oracle, judgment oracle of God out of the garden, in you all, he plays the desire to control your husband. But he says, you will submit to him. If you choose to submit to him, and I'm telling you, that ain't easy. I am not kidding, and I'm sure you would, amen, if you were really with me now. now. It's not easy to obey where your will doesn't want to. He placed in you the will to want to control him. Then he commands you to instead submit to him. Will you give in to the control? Hello, Jezebel. Hello, Jezebel. And it just blows me away that out of the same woman comes the seed of Christ. So if you do the right thing, here comes the power of God, the fullness of Christ out of you or Jezebel. Isn't that crazy? So if we, anything happens, ladies, you get all the credit. I mean, all of it. And if you don't do the right thing, we are all in trouble. Isn't it weird? Women's chief thing. Would you not agree with this? Your chief desire in life is to be a mother and to have a family. Am I right? I'm not being sexist here. I, I've been around long enough to think I think I can say this. It's in the heart of every girl. I want to be a mom. I want to have a family. And yet the very thing that would violate that is to control dummy husband. And if you do that, you will blow up your family. Children will become your oppressors. The family will blow up because the order of God has been violated. The very essence of his commands have been taken away because we don't like it. Whoa, it's quiet. Did I go too far? And folks, that's what's going to happen. We have institutionalized equality of the sexes. It was never about equality. It was about being in the place that God places us. When it all began, yeah, it was male, female, and he gave them dominion over everything. But when we fell, he said, no, you go there, you go there, you do this, you do that. And then you either do it or you don't. And if you don't, welcome to Satan'sville. Baal, 
and Jezebel. You'll know them by their fruits. Not anyone that says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. If you're walking in lawlessness, in other words, you don't want to do this because you don't want to do this. How about that? Don't call him Lord. He said, don't you call me Lord. Lord, you see, is sort of an intimate term of right fellowship with God. You are my Lord. You're over me. You're with me. I'm one with you. You get it? Everybody's in his right place. Done the right way. It's pure. Is it hard? Yeah, it's hard. Life is hard. That's why the reward is to the overcomer. Enough of that. Okay. <laughs> I went a little farther. <clears throat> There's more to it though. Psalms 134. Psalm 134. <clears throat> this is what we call an ascension psalm. There was a series of psalms. So, I mean, it starts with 120 to 134. That every time, you know, like two or three times a year, they were commanded to go into Jerusalem, all the people of Israel, and enter into the temple. And they'd have this amazing service. The whole nation would come. And as they got out the outskirts of Jerusalem, they would start quoting these ascension psalms. So the idea, 120, I'm up there. By 130, I'm right here. And if if that's the doorway, by 134, I'm right here. I have ascended up the the, uh, the mountain, up the, up the stairways into the temple of God. I'm about to enter into the presence of the Lord. So all these psalms that I'm reading are preparing me to be in the presence of holy God. Okay? So look what happens on the very last one. Verse 1. Here's what you do. Behold, bless the Lord. And who gets to do this? All the servants of the Lord. The service of the Lord. And what are they doing? They stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. These idiots are praising God all night long. They literally are worshiping him in spirit and in truth. You think it's a really a quiet sermon? A quiet sacrifice? A quiet, you think things are silent in there? See, we have a, a, this, this thing coming at the church to button it down. Don't get loud. Don't get exuberant. Tell those children to shut up as they, Jesus is walking into the temple and these kids are going crazy. And what do they, what do the, the Pharisees say? Shut them down. We can't have all this exuberance. And Jesus said, I'll tell you. Unless, all, unless they all said this, the rocks would cry out. And now the mouth of babes you have perfected praise. So I don't think that we have a, a, a good idea sometimes of what he's looking at when he wants us to go into the house of the Lord. Real quickly, I'll show you. Uh, Psalm 68, turn there. Verse 24. They have seen your procession, oh God. The procession of my God, my King, into the sanctuary. We just read about that. I just told you about this. The procession into the sanctuary. They have seen it, oh God. Verse 25. Here they are. 
The singers went before. The players on instruments followed after. Among them were the maidens playing tambourines. So who's doing it? The singers? Players on instruments. There are entire churches that won't let you play an instrument. Bummer. Give me every instrument. How about women singing? I thought they were to keep silence in the church. Exodus 15. Women, this is for you. Exodus 15, verse 20. This is when they just left Egypt, went through the Red Sea. It's a big day. What would you do if you were just set free from captivity? I'd be dancing. I remember when I got set free in Mento, that 100-year service, sentence. They walked out. My lawyer walked out. They wouldn't let me go into the courthouse. Thank God. Only to find out that the evidence that they supposedly had, <laughs> they took out of the county to Pegasus because they had never had anything like that before in Mento. Had several pots of marijuana. I mean, somebody had several pots of marijuana that they were growing, allegedly. That they were trying to say I did, allegedly. Had my fingerprints on it, but you know, they can get those anywhere and put them on there, I'm sure. And they took them out of the, out of the county. And when it came, it came time for the grand jury to issue their indictment, well, they found out there was a rule. You can't take evidence out of the county. And they bring it back in. They had no evidence. So they no-billed me. I didn't know what that meant until that day. But when that lawyer said, it's a no-bill, I rode the window down. He's like, yeah. Screamed as loud. They heard me all over Midtown, which, of course, is not that big of a place. But they would have heard me in Lubbock. My lawyer said, shh. I got louder. I'm free, man. I am free. I'm going to celebrate. Well, that's enough. I probably did. Only y'all would know what I'm talking about. And so here we have these same people, man. They've been in captivity forever. They walk through the Red Sea. And they decide to celebrate quietly and in good order before the Lord. Verse 20. Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron took the tambourine timbrel in her hand, and how many women? All the women went out after her with timbrels and with what? In the house of the Lord? Whoa, 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 dude. Whoa. Yeah. Now, I want to say something about dancing in the spirit. You can get... In the wrong spirit. If you're doing it after the flesh, don't do it at all. But if you're celebrating the Lord, get after it. I remember a guy came in one time to this church early on. He says, there are so many of you afraid, you're afraid of getting in the flesh that you won't get out of the flesh. So you do nothing. And another guy once said, I mean, he's talking talk to this other guy, he says, Chuck, you're so afraid of uh, uh, getting out of the flesh, you don't have to worry about it. 
Because you don't want to do it so bad, you're going to always be in the Spirit. I am telling you, folks, people who tell you you can't celebrate God like this are idiots. I want to celebrate him. Oh, I need word, brother. I just gave you two scriptures. Can I, you want more? I give you one more. First Chronicles. And there's more. Oh my Lord, there's so many of these. First Chronicles 15. This is cool. David brings the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel for the first time in years. Years. God's back. So what do they do? Verse 15, the children of the Levites bore, bore the ark of God on their shoulders by, by his pose as, poles as Moses had commanded. Verse 16, then David spoke to the leaders of the Levites to appoint their brethren to be the singers accompanied by instruments, plural, of music, stringed instruments, harps, cymbals, by raising the voice with quietness and, and resounding joy. Get out of your flesh. Focus it all on him. He loves it. I'll talk to the husbands for a minute. Don't you just love it when your wife walks into the bedroom, dressed from here to here with a burlap sack, going, I don't know where he is, with a mud pile all over her face? Oh, baby. I'm talking to the men. Is that what you're looking for? I know what I'm looking for. You come walking in there, you know, yiki kaye, is it Friday? <laughs> A joke. How about resounding joy? It's Friday. How about some fun? How about it? Oh, God doesn't like that. Really? Then how can we manage where we really enjoy a good joke? You ever heard God laugh? You know who he laughs at the most? The wicked. Because they don't think he's going to reign. He laughs at them. <laughs> hey, let's go have a party. Last one. Psalm 135. Who are these guys, these servants of the Lord? Verse 1. After they get into the temple and they're praising the Lord. Who are they? It says, praise the Lord. First one, chapter 135. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise him. Who? You servants of the Lord. You who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord. Why? For he's good. Sing praises to his name, for it is pleasant. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel for his special treasure. Now, I want to make that personal to you. That word, special treasure. Who are the servants of the Lord? They are the ones that are called his special treasure. That has been the word of the Lord to the city of refuge since 2012. When we went to Lake City then, the word of the Lord God gave me for you. Tell them, my people, I'm going to make you my jewels. It's the same exact word. My jewels. 
in the day of wrath that's coming, I'm going to make you my jewels, special treasure. Last time he went to Lake City, it was the same thing again, except it was coming out of Exodus. Would you be those people, the special treasure? Would you? And if you remember, I had to ask you three times, would you do this? And like, you know, the sheep that you are. You said yes, thank you. Thank you. Because now he can say it to you. You're the service of the Lord. You get all this stuff. Now warfare is coming. It's here now. Whose side are you on? One of the one of the words for me, there's a time of preparation and division. And you're just gonna start seeing it. If you haven't been hundred percent or yet, now's the time to look at your whole card. Do you tithe? It's a subject I hardly ever bring up. If you don't tithe, and don't kid yourself about what that means, don't play games with God. Don't give him a tip. Don't embarrass him. Tithe is 10% of what you make. Well, I don't have it. By faith. By faith. By faith. I don't know a person in here. Betty, do you tithe? How much money do you make? I know how much money you make. You know why? I see how much you tithe. I just multiply by 10. That's how much she makes. That single woman, I can set as a standard for every one of you and ask you, are you worse off than her? I don't mean to embarrass you. But I honor you, honey. You've always been faithful. And you've had the sufferings of the Lord come to you and layers and who do I hear singing when we praise her she stands by night in the presence of the Lord and lifted up holy hands without wrath or doubt and she doesn't have any problems worshiping the king and he loves it because it's real it's just real so it's time to get serious I'm not condemning anybody But I'm telling you, what this church is, how it got here is on the the backs of people like that who did do these things. And they're about to be rewarded. They're going to see the reward. Trust me on this. Amen. I'll race you to Pioneer Park. On three. Three. Three.